Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, listeners. Michael Albrechter here again, group facilitator from the Timor Awakening Programs and Veterans Care Association. Uh, we're just wrapping up Timor Awakening 15 on the Gold Coast, and uh, we're sitting down with our participants and having a bit of a chat to get uh, get their stories and share them with you and out there in the world. So the uh, next person I'm sitting down with is Belinda Johnson. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for giving me some of your time. No problem. And uh, this is actually not your first program. You're in this very unique situation because you've done TA15 and TA1. That's correct, yes. TA1 was uh, it was like a pilot course. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it ran from about 5.30 in the morning till about 10 o'clock at night and <laughs> we would just go, 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 go. Yeah. But it was um, awesome, absolutely awesome. And the comparison between TA1 to TA15 – this week, um, I'd have to say that there was more, <coughs> excuse me, more time to reflect, and yeah. because we had our own rooms, we could go back at the end of the day and really reflect. Which I did. I reflect on the balcony, looking over at the sea, which is great. What we have right here. Yeah, perfect, perfect um, location. So, despite people looking at COVID nineteen as being a negative, I've found being it being a, a positive for me because we didn't need to go back over to Timor, we brought it back here and um, the content was was amazing and uh, certainly have grown this week and I do look forward to returning at some yeah. stage because I didn't realise that we could come back and Gary Stone said that we certainly could. Yeah. So uh, I would like to bring my older son back next time for him to see what I've actually been exposed to and yeah. seen. Well, and uh, on that note, if you could maybe just share a little bit about your career, what that entailed and where you went, that cool stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was an undergrad. I first started off with um, um, university at the Catholic University in, in Sydney and so I did two years of uh, an undergrad program um, to, to get my bachelor's basically. Mm-hmm. But at that time they had uh, a diploma so we had to convert and go on. But Aside from that, I uh, did two years of my own, joined the Army as an undergrad um, under the scheme and had a postgraduate year at Manly Hospital and then found myself over in Rwanda whilst we were doing the undergrad scheme. We really weren't posted anywhere mm. until we finished our time um, and, ha- and gained that experience. This is the nursing? Nursing, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was a registered nurse by the end of it, uh, went to one field and then found myself six months later in Rwanda. I spent six months in Rwanda helping out the locals and one day um, popped my head in to see if ICU needed any help because they were quite busy and that's where I stayed. So when I came back from Rwanda, I asked the army to um, sponsor me 
which they'd said no because we'll lose you. And I really, really wanted to, to pursue my time in ICU. So the Air Force, um, that, that tra- transition, it was um, not actually leaving the defence, leaving the army. It was more of a transfer. So I transferred over, uh, went back to uni part-time for two years, mm. got my um, uh, postgraduate diploma in critical care and then found myself in Timor, Timor, um, back in at the end of the last three, um, three weeks of Interfet. Mm-hmm. And we were at the United Nations Hospital in Dili. And so uh, we were under um, Antoyet. Um, and so we were there for six months. And I was in intensive care. And then came back um, and then went back again for three to four months as the 2IC for... Um, the AME team. So I saw it from a different perspective from being on the ground, receiving patients come through resus and through um, ICU, mm. uh, into ICU. So this time I was going out retrieving a lot of the um, the locals, um, but we also received some of our own people as well. So out to the villages, flying over. It was great because we got to see the rest of, the, um, of, of Timor. Then I came back... Um, and that was in 2004. And then in 2005, um, I was on exercise up in Darwin and my CEO rung me up and said, um, how would you like to go to Iraq? And for me, it was like winning the lottery. It was what I was trained to do. So um, I went over with about 35 um, medical people in amongst 25,000 Americans and we went to Balad, uh, west of Baghdad, and we had to tack fly in because it was uh, – they were – shooting at us so we found it very difficult we didn't have a padre we didn't have people visiting us so we were there to stay for six months and even though I was um, ICU and AME qualified we weren't allowed with the Australian government to fly um, and take our patients across to Germany which the bulk of them did because they were quite critical they came in to ask to get um, looked after so so uh, six months uh, in Iraq and uh came back and um, my service was finished in 2009. It was a very diverse career. Very. <laughs> Rwanda, team war and Iraq. You don't usually sit down with someone who's been to all three of those. That is, uh, that's um, a lot of commitment. Commitment, but also I felt as though it was my calling. Like yeah. it's, it's something that you, you just do. I mean, you're in the service and for me it was like a privilege to be yeah. asked, particularly in Iraq because uh, – the Americans were only accepting people with a, a degree or postgraduate qualifications. They didn't want someone who was um, had a certificate. So now I understand why, because it was the people that they chose. We had um, mass mass trauma, and it was um, we were mortared up to um, six times a day, and we didn't realise. We did once <laughs> we were there, but we weren't told how dangerous it was until we were there so it was um yeah it was very um in your face every day it wasn't just like one day was bad we would often have um uh, like like mash basically we were under the tentage and would have um um 10 minutes warning that um, would have a mass casualties brought in so they kept moving us closer and closer to the hospital so we would just be there within 10 minutes and um yeah, um, so it was it was just uh, incredibly different from Rwanda, mm. incredibly different from Timor. But I I'd never compare. Yeah. But, um, 
but so obviously Rwanda was made warlike and obviously Iraq was warlike mm. as well. So mm. two wars and then East, East Timor twice. But uh, I don't know, Timor has something that I keep on wanting to go back and return. I mean, uh, the people never want for anything and they're very um, accepting of our care and our help. Yeah. So by coming on Timor Awakening, it's like you want to give back to them mm. as well as healing mm. ourselves. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It sounds like you've really found um, some sort of grounding in Timor, something you, you long for, and that's probably why you went back. Was Timor reckoning one the first time you'd returned since your service deployment? Yes, yeah. yes. Yep. So my last deployment was two thousand and four. So that then when Timor, I think it was five years ago, that mm. was Timor awakening, and I didn't know what to expect. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, I had a lot of um, apprehension about going back, but mm. it was actually quite good because. It was a, a very different Timor to what I had um, remembered. And even from 2000 to 2004, very different. And to me, having closure to be able to go to all these places, and not just me, but seeing uh, a lot of the infantry, the artillery, but seeing how they healed after going to places, particularly Balibo, mm. um, and seeing how they healed. So it was, yeah, it was amazing to go back to see... And Nick has done so much and Gary has done so much with the movies that we've seen this week. And it's like, I do want to go back, you know. I, I really want to see how much it's progressed as yeah. well. But also seeing the, the loving, smiling faces that they've never had to experience the, these kids. So therefore, these kids are now growing up happy, you know. And, and now it's just a history um, there that will be told to them and possibly at the schools as well. So mm. it's good to see the change. How does... Uh yeah, those deployments you've seen a lot, you've done a lot, and as you said, you were getting mortared, you know, in Iraq, getting shot at, shot at on the way in. Um, wouldn't want to imagine what you, the kind of things you saw in Rwanda, especially being a nurse. What um, what was transition like for you after all all of that, get, getting out and sort of reintegrating into normal, shall we say, normal society? Um, you know, as a having been an officer for what was your uh, career in total? Years, right? Um, 18 years, and yeah. I ended up um, major equivalent, so squadron leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. The transition was hard, I'd have to say, after having so much action, and mm-hmm. it was a full on career, but absolutely, I loved it, you know, I absolutely loved it. And l- reflecting now, I don't think I'd change anything, mm. nothing at all. I mean, that's what we signed up to do, but I didn't think I'd be doing it like, you know, Six months after I finished my nursing, so I grew up very quickly and I was a very different person coming back from Rwanda. I was very capable, very confident and um, I didn't rely on anybody. To this day, I think Rwanda has changed. I was there for my 30th birthday and then in Iraq for my 40th birthday. But the transition was difficult because I was medically discharged in 2009 and that was very, very difficult because I thought I could stay on in the reserves, but if you're medically discharged, then you can't stay on in the reserves. So it was going from full-on to um, finding my identity out in the civilian world. Um, I think I've made peace with that now because um, I have gone back into the workforce mm. on my... Um, the way I feel, like I'm, I'm a gold card TPI... And if I and I have a rehab coordinator, so it means that 
if I go over my hours, then I need to apply um, and have my um, hours reduced. But for me mentally, I need to work. Um, even if it's like eight hours or four hours, it's just that stimulation. And it's it's about giving back as well. So, But I still keep in touch with um, a lot of the people that I've served with and by having groups to go out and converse with has helped me transition. Yeah, that sounds like a big thing because mm-hmm. the isolation is a big part of big, big challenge that veterans face when they get out, isn't it? Uh, is that we were so yes. used to that community and then that's gone and yeah, I mean, you might be able to go to the Anzac Day or whatever, but uh, finding new communities sounds like a key thing for you. Yes, but I'm also a bit of a loner now. Yeah. Um, that social connection um, has affected me. Like that group where, you know, you've got the group dynamics and you've experienced something um, the same you don't tend to talk about that and I don't want to talk about it out in the community. Um, I may not even talk about that to my psychiatrist, but um, I find that by doing things um, alone helps me by going out in the environment or giving back by by being a nurse out in the community. But that's just me and that's mm. something that I, I need to overcome. But, um, yeah, I certainly don't go out there and party and drink and do all that <laughs> sort of stuff. I, th- I think I t- tend to do a lot more exercise and yeah. and choose the nature side of things, and that heals me. Yeah. You know, it, it does heal my, heal me. But um, yeah, there is definitely peculiarities and and um, very individual choice about what people find sort of meditative. I think and what people find relaxing and is their kind of place to go. For some people, it's surfing in the ocean. For some people, it's uh, going back to nature. For some people, um, traditional kind of meditation or yoga may not be their first point of call. Uh, so it sounds like nature is a big one for you. Na- nature is. I mean, I've um, broken couple, quite a few bones in my my feet, so I have had to give up marathon and half marathon running, and that was my um, release. It really was, but now I can't run anything more than 10 kilometres so oh, I've got back into, yeah. So I've got back into um, walking a lot, um, achieving high mountains, and uh, that's why I've got a broken foot because I've <laughs> done too much up the yeah. mountain. But yeah, and and bonfire hot yoga and aqua. Um, so yeah, I found my area, but it's it's still that bit missing. It's like oh gosh, I see someone running down the the road. It's like gosh, I wish I could do that, but. I have tested myself, and after ten kilometres, I just I can't just can't you know with my feet anymore, and yeah, that's a lot to do with um, pack marching, even as a nurse, combat um, um, marching, but also carrying a stretcher, carrying a Thomas pack, jumping out of an aircraft into the villages of Timor, and it's rocky, and you've got to carry the stretcher, and you've got to carry the. Um, the patient back so um you don't you don't know what the size is of that patient coming back but yeah it, it all it's all accumulative so yeah. but you know there's always someone worse off than yourself so yeah. well i mean it uh it, it sounds as though you, you have landed on your feet there were some difficulties you know getting out of military and the, the maybe perhaps the manner in which you left the defense um but i i anticipate i imagine that there were some difficult times and initially there was finding purpose and it was difficult what one of the things i always try and explore with people is if you had your time again if you could go back and speak to the version of yourself 
that was just about to transition out with everything you've learnt since then, what would you say? Truly, <laughs> the one thing I probably would say is that because I've got such small feet that I would have to have special boots made because the impact of where I've been has made such an impact on mm. my life moving forward um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty much crippled me. But as in terms of going to the places I've been, like I found it a privilege. I mean, it was, it was very, very difficult when I started to have a child and to talk about, or you're not, you weren't allowed to talk about where you were going and what you saw. So I'd always say, if I ever had ever had another child, I'd get out of the defence because I don't know. I think it's um it's very difficult for uh, um, children. Some children thrive on going to different um, schools and moving constantly. But um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. I, with my time again, I. I feel as though probably the transition period was really, really poor. That, you know, one day you're a military person and you've done so many years, you've given so much to the, on the deployments and to people. And then you basically, the system was just, okay, well, give me back your ID, um, your uniforms, everything that you've got. And you just walk out the door and it's just like, you just sort of like left and there's, there's no um, support system there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, very common, isn't it? We feel like we've got all those those connections, and then it's just it's just over. And that's why I think by continuing my nursing, I'm I'm one of the lucky ones that right. I've got a degree, I've got post grad qualifications, but I feel for those people that don't have those. But those people, I feel perhaps then um, when they know that if they know that they're transitioning out, definitely go do some courses, yeah, and definitely consolidate your CV with the help of the military. Because there's so much wealth of what military people have done and have achieved. And I've noticed that a lot of people outside in the community, the civilian community, um, want those skills. Yeah. So don't think that, you know, you've walked away and then, you know, you, you don't have any qualifications. You you are an asset to the people out in the community. That is something I definitely didn't do well when I had to transition. <laughs> I, I um, did 11 years Army, Infantry Intel, series of deployments. Uh, and I, looking back, I really wonder how I didn't see the value in, in what I'd done. A lot of, um, you know, this is, this is years ago since then, I've found my feet. But I looked back and there was a lot of people who went straight from what we'd done and just moved straight on to the next thing really successfully. And I was like, why did I sell myself so short? Yeah, but I don't think when you're caught up in your own job and that you're doing yeah. things for the military, they don't even see what your worth is. Mm-hmm. I know that there is a transition program, but that's it only if you want to go. It's like it's back then it wasn't compulsory. And I would suggest that, you know, particularly a big hint is being medical. Make sure you get fixed up before you you finish the military because that paperwork is so crucial for the rest of your life. So if you have an injury in service life, get yourself fixed up. Make sure that you even take photocopies of your... I'm not even sure if this is allowed to be said, but mm-hmm. I think it's important to be said that um, some people just get out and then they'll say, oh, I've had that ache, yeah, but I had that develop in the service. 
make a photocopy because your um, your medical records are your own, so therefore you're entitled to have copies. Yeah. So therefore you can go to the advocate. Yeah. But yeah, get everything that you need to because not necessary. You don't have that that luxury of having say a gold card or a gold card TPI. Mm. You have to fork out that after. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think they have an online Jedi system or something now, but I photocopied all my stuff. Good. And it absolutely did come in handy because I've put, since put in a claim for my back. Um, and had I had to go foraging around trying to find them within defence, God knows how successful that would have been. So, um, yeah, I you. mean, yeah. why not? You may yeah. as well, they're your, they're your records. Yeah, they're it's your life. It's your sacrifice, your body on the line. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, good on you. You uh, did something right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is, as we mentioned, this is the second program. So I imagine there's different layers each time you come back and do these things, different things, different aha moments. What's been your team more awakening for this one? I love the farm, the organic farm. Mm. Oh, my gosh. What did you take away from that? You know, I saw a man who ran the organic farm and he had, had his moments of struggling. Mm. But I think by him talking to us, creating such a wonderful place for people to come and heal to be able to work and give back i think that's reward in itself for him and he's just such a charismatic um man that um it, it was hard not to listen to to his story and how much he he has been giving back not just to veterans but to the community um and as he said he can't pay for us to work there but to volunteer and then get some um, organic vegetables at the end of the day and um, that was amazing. The Just the location, like the location is just amazing. I'm not sure if you can see it on the on the cameras. but Probably too, too bright but yeah, we're <laughs> overlooking the, the, the beach as we speak so that's pretty pretty cool. And in itself that, that's just been amazing, like uh, waking up in the morning and reflecting at night, it's just been... Um, self-absorbing like it's just been so good I felt the suicide uh, prevention that was that had hit home in a very big way because um, I've had people I've had to look after or people I've had to um, have died um, and people have come to me so that really hit home and um, yeah and I think it hit home to a, a few people on the actual course um and I'm not afraid to say publicly that mm. I have done it, you know, but I have done it before I even joined the military and I'm so glad I'm here today. So, um, you know, you get into such a hard, dark place that you don't think you'll ever come out. But, um, but yeah, so that, that really hit home as well. So, But the nutrition talks and, and the smoothies that, you know, you yeah. made, everybody yeah. made and, um, yeah, the nutrition talks... And, and just the um, comradeship, you know, that's why, like, I've been to, I see a psych every two weeks. I I should know better. I came off cold turkey with my drugs, but I've got more clarity. But I've got that ongoing support with him in case I do fall. I hope I don't fall. But having that ongoing support, it's so different from seeing a psych as to seeing your own people. You don't have to ask them what happened to you. And no one does, you know. It's just a given that you don't. But you've got that support behind you. And I've made some great friends and everybody is going through their own struggle and I think this is the right amount of time to have because it's mentally it's, it's mentally inspiring but mentally draining yes. at the end yeah. of it and, and you need to deflect you need to go back and need to process yeah yeah you do and go back into your own um, 
time and um, really reflect on it. It sounds like that's not what you guys had on TA1. <laughs> it no was just crash, a- crash action straight from the get-go. <laughs> that's it. Like, like a redeployment of Intervet. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like we hit the wall running and yeah, then these yeah. ceremonies and then yeah. it was like, oh, my gosh, just give us a half an hour extra to sleep in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it made you appreciate, like, you know, coming back here to St. George is like, You've got a bed, you've got running water. It's like, you know, by a nail, you tr- the water trickles like if you <laughs> move it the right way. But, you know, we still had fun. It was yeah, just amazing. Yeah. 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 I think that you're absolutely right, like the, what the guys have done, Gary and, um, and Michael, to sort of pivot, you know, and to well, not even pivot but just reframe the situation. You know, we could have gone, oh, we can't get to team also. These programs are done and dusted. But it's like, what do you have? What can you do with these current situations? And what we could do is come to St. George's Holiday Suites, defence, uh, you know, specifically defence establishment, and run programs that maybe aren't as long and maybe don't have the same, you know, some of the elements that you can only replicate if you're actually in Timor itself. Um, sure, but what's the benefit of it? The benefit is you get more time. A nice bed, as you said. First world uh, facilities, more time to process stuff. So sometimes it's like, okay, we're slowing down to go faster cramming less in but perhaps people were processing it as much if not better so there's something in it in every situation it's yeah. not good it's not bad but it's it's different and you know what i i think that covid you know i always look at something positive and out of a negative came a positive and look what mick and gary were able to do mm. and maybe that was some calling that we had to slow down because there was not there wasn't a lot of paperwork and a lot of time to reflect in groups here we did this every day and um yeah, it's just been completely different. Completely yeah. different. That's good. But good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well as you said it was a pilot program and, and things evolved from that and that's always gonna be always gonna be the case. Yeah. We had no one drink, no one smoke, yeah. and everyone got on well. So nice it was one. great. Belinda, is there uh, anything that you wanted to add, add? Anything that I haven't sort of um touched on that you wanted to share with the listeners out there before we think about ra- wrapping up? Probably something very minor, but, mm-hmm. but if they can't, if anyone is thinking about coming back to St George, bring your own toilet paper because we were <laughs> out of toilet paper and we didn't know we had to bring our own, so we were scrabbaging around. Thank, thank God for Cole; he went out and got toilet paper. But on a serious note, um, gosh, I just want to say thanks to everyone behind the scenes and um, you know, particularly with the nutrition side and seeing Mick transform like Mick went on a, a special journey and I that has just trans transformed it onto me like that's one big thing that I need to do is to really reflect and and lose weight but there's so many nutrition elements to this project and um, it's really inspired me to want to lose weight and um, the exercise is there but it's in conjunction with with eating right as well and you know putting yourself first like you know I've got two children so always thinking about them and and doing things last for myself so um but no i I think continue doing these timor awakenings whilst we can't get over to timor yep still keep the connection going with timor and um well yeah i'd love to go back when it all runs again in timor hopefully that won't be too much longer and we may who knows we may even you know have a gold coast chapter and a timor chapter at the same time who knows we'll see we'll see what the future holds but uh belinda thanks so much for your time thank you Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it. 
and keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.